We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in to Vern's Hot Stove. Lined into right center field for a hit. Merrifield's going to try to score. A good throw home could get him. Then the throw is... Every Thursday night starting at 6, taking you all the way up to opening day in Cleveland. Sliders lifted to shallow center and back to make a great catch, Nicky Lopez. Live from Surprise, Arizona, here's Royals insider Josh Furnier. Yeah, good evening. The first hot stove show of the year is actually the last hot stove show that will broadcast from Kansas City. Next week at this time, I'll be in Arizona to part for spring training on Monday. And sure, the ongoing lockout remains the headline story in Major League Baseball. But here's what excites me as I prepare to once again head to Arizona for some Cactus League action. Let's get to the top five storylines for your Kansas City Royals. Number five. And the storyline is what the storyline is not stick with me storyline number five is the fact that i'm heading to royal spring training and i don't have much interest in the performance nor in the health of adalberto mondesi nor hunter dozier now maybe i maybe that's not the best way to put it of course i want them healthy they're in my interactions terrific guys and I know their talent. You know their talent as well. But Dozier's now 30 years old, and Adalbert Tomondesi lacks the two most important qualities for a big league shortstop, and that's reliability and consistency. Both Dozier and Mondesi made their big league regular season debuts in 2016, and we all hoped that they, a first-round pick in Dozier and a kid born to play big league baseball in Mondesi. We all hoped that they would help stifle any post-championship regression from the Royals. But instead, in the six seasons since their debuts, they each have only one season where they were better than a league average hitter. Just one season. Now, the reasons why they have only one season, whether it's their fault or not, the reasons don't really matter much here in 2022. And look look around, Hunter Dozier, Adalberto Mondesi, no longer central to the next championship in Kansas Number City. Number four. These young starting pitchers, much more directly tied to the long-term success of the Kansas City Royals, more so than Dozier and Mondesi. And those young arms, to me, are the fourth biggest storyline heading into the spring. Keller and Singer, Lynch and Hernandez, 
Bubich, Heasley, and Jackson Kowar. Seven names, five righties, two lefties, and sure, a few other names that I'm leaving out that could enter the fray this spring. And you're going to need contributions, real quality contributions from at least five of them. In the rotation, bullpen, we'll, we'll see where. But you need contributions, quality contributions from at least five of them. If this season's going to be memorable, these young arms will be key. And I'm, I'm not going to play favorites. I don't care who it turns out to be. Which of those names I just gave you, who's the stud in the rotation, who's a boss out of the bullpen, I don't care. Keller, Singer, Bubich, to me, those three have shown the mentality that, that is necessary to thrive in Major League Baseball. Jonathan Heasley's composure was pretty impressive last season. The improvement that Daniel Lynch showcased, that was tremendous over the course of last summer. Carlos Hernandez, now this young man has it all. Now he doesn't know what he doesn't know yet, but that, that's a part of growing up, whether you're a baseball player or just a bozo like me. Same for Jackson Kowar. His stuff, certainly big league capable. But can he last through the ups and downs of a Major League Baseball season? Now, there's plenty of reasons for optimism surrounding these young arms. But starting this season, Kansas City Royals are going to have a real tough time convincing us, convincing fans, that patience is still a major requirement when watching these dudes this summer at Kauffman Stadium because this, as you know, is the big leagues. And this fan base has been quite patient over the past four years. I think we all want results, consistent results. That's what's expected. Number three. Now, it would be unfair to expect consistent results from storyline number three. Storyline number three, the, the young bats, the trio of young bats. Bobby Witt Jr., the minor league player of the year, and the two lefty bats that posted a higher OPS last season than the aforementioned Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, first baseman Nick Prado and the catcher that led all of minor league baseball with 41 bombs last year, MJ Melendez. Those two left-handed bats now on the 40-man roster will not be able to participate until the lockout ends, but Bobby Witt Jr., who realistically doesn't need to be added to the 40-man roster until opening day. He'll be able to take part in minor league spring training at Surprise Arizona, and thankfully for all of us, he'll get some work in. Because Bobby Witt Jr. should be breaking camp with the big league club, barring something unforeseen. So there's at least one Royals opening day player that should be in uniform come this time next week. So, watching Bobby Witt Jr. hopefully avoid that unforeseen that I alluded to, that to me is worth the trip to Arizona in and of itself. Nick Prado, he should debut this year. Melendez, too. Now, whether it's because of injury or poor play or a trade, whatever the reason is, I do think it happens this year. And as general manager J.J. Piccolo, Piccolo told me a few months ago, he'd be disappointed if all three didn't make the big leagues in 2022 and J.J. Piccolo will join us in less than 10 minutes. But as far as Nick Prado's debut and MJ's debut, how does it all happen? We'll see. Maybe it's Carlos Santana starting off well like he did last year. Can you possibly flip him? And then 
if Nick Prado is embarrassing minor league hitting, maybe you move on from Carlos. Maybe you move him to designated hitter and bring up the future gold glover Nick Prado. And as far as MJ Melendez, I, I think he follows right behind. Whether it's as a designated hitter, a right fielder, a catcher, it shouldn't be hard to find at bats for him once Prado shoehorns his way to the big leagues. Especially since Salvi's going to need more and more rest as the season goes on, and we'll see if Dozier and or Carlos Santana or Nicky Lopez's bat winds up removed from the everyday lineup. Now, whatever the reason, just remember when Prado shows up, the first base job is his. And when Melendez shows up, he's getting regular at-bats. Neither one of them, Bobby Wood Jr. included, all three of them, none of them are coming up to the big leagues to platoon. Number two. But, but that leads to an interesting question. When they do come up, are they getting experience and that's it? Or is it something more? Are they playing well? Are they the type of run producers this team needs, that this team is banking on? Because the question I get asked most, by far, even more than the inquiries about the lockout, the most asked question is, how much better are the Royals this year than last year? It's a question that fans have been asking for decades. So storyline number two heading into spring training is, where's the improvement? I will ask the general manager in moments, but it certainly appears that Any improvement is coming from within. And it appears that words like potential, faith, and hope will once again be prevalent in Arizona at the Royals facility. Because the starting rotation last season finished in the bottom half of the league in innings pitched, and only three teams in the league had a higher ERA than the Royals starting pitchers. Same names are back this year, guys. Outside of Danny Duffy, who was statistically your best starting pitcher last year. I could sit here and sell you on potential and hope and the need for faith with these young arms, but that's not my job. If if you're hopeful, great. I am. I'm not telling you how to be a fan. You've been a fan uh, just as long as I have, if not longer. I could go on, right? The offense had the third lowest OPS in the league last season, and the same names are back. I could sell you again on the potential of these young bats. I can describe the hope that Nikki and Salvi duplicate what they did last year and why faith is needed. But again, that's just not my job. So what's the sell from the organization? Where is the improvement? The big story. Now, the big story is obvious. The big story here, less than a week away from pitchers and catchers report date, is the owners lock out of the players, the pitchers and the catchers. Now I'll give my overall thoughts on the lockout at the end of the show because who really wants to dive deep into the lockout right now? But as the lockout pertains to the 2022 Kansas City Royals, here are a few things. Number one, universal DH is going to happen, but much like the expanded postseason, that's really never been in doubt. And that means more possible takers if Carlos Santana is the early season hitter that he was a year ago. Expanded postseason could help the Royals, but again, we're not sure. Is it 12 teams? Is it 14? The two sides are yet to agree on anything. Number two, a draft lottery is going to happen. Now, how many teams are going to be in that lottery? We'll see. 
Owners are saying maybe four. The players want it to be eight. But no longer does the worst record automatically give you the top pick. It's a nice way to, even if only slightly, de-incentivize tanking. And then three, the excitement that some have showcased uh, about the elimination of draft pick conversation or compensation for signing a player that turned down the qualifying offer, a la the Brewers and Padres losing draft picks after signing Kane and Hosmer, respectively. I think that excitement that you're seeing on Twitter, that you're hearing from baseball fans, the excitement that that draft pick compensation will go by the wayside, it, I think it's overblown. It still seems as losing a free agent will get the team an additional draft pick. Now, maybe they won't penalize the team that signs the player in free agency, but it still appears to me that teams are going to be de-incentivized to sign their own free agents. And then finally, as the lockout pertains to the Royals, uh, the only thing concerning this lockout that we'll address with J.J. Piccolo that I believe is the top story as we sit here a week away from, hopefully, spring training, is the pedal to the metal aggressiveness that will be required by all front offices the second the lockout ends. Think about it. There are more than 100 free agents without a team. Names like Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, Clayton Kershaw, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Trevor Story, Nick Castellanos, Johnny Cueto, Zach Granke, Danny Duffy. I can go on and on and on. Arbitration-eligible players need their salary set. Names like Ben Attendee and Mondesi, Keller, Barlow, and Nicky Lopez. There's a Rule 5 draft that needs to happen. There are possible extensions, possible trades, and so much more. We'll discuss it all with the aforementioned general manager of your Kansas City Royals, J.J. Piccolo, after this. This is Burns Hot Stove. Thursday night starting at 6 on your home for Royals baseball in Kansas City. 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back, Vern Tot Stove, on your home for Royals baseball. Can't describe how excited we are. It's our 15th season being your home for Royals baseball in Kansas City all summer long, 610 Sports Radio. As promised, joining us now, the general manager of your Kansas City Royals, J.J. Piccolo. J.J., I can't thank you enough for the time, and I was just mentioning it uh, but, but before the break. Uh, your position as it pertains to the big league club, it has to feel like you're standing next to a treadmill that's turned on full blast. And when this lockout ends, you got to jump on and run. Yes. No, it, it's going to go from zero to a hundred miles an hour pretty quickly. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're prepared. We've done enough talking and discussing on how we're going to come out of this thing and be ready to go. But, uh, but we're, we'll be ready when that time comes, we'll be ready. Does anything jump out as first, uh, the number one priority when that green flag drops? Yeah, I, I think we need to make contact with our players first, and, and that largely will be the responsibility of our major league coaching staff to just reach out to the players and make sure they're doing fine, they're healthy, they're ready to go. Uh, that'll be a priority. And then, of course, you know, circling the wagons and talking to other clubs and finding out what teams are thinking, and along with contacting agents of free agents. So, really, you're just going to, you know, do the things we typically would do at the start of free agency and throughout the offseason. We're just going to be doing it very quickly and dispersing the duties amongst our front office to make sure we cover all of our bases. 
People can call me a homer all they want, but getting to know uh, you, Dayton, and the rest of this front office over the years, I have to imagine just that broken communication from young men you've known since they were teenagers has to be somewhat difficult as far as the young men on the 40-man roster. Yeah, it, it, it is difficult. Um, you know, we like to think that we communicate well, and I'm sure, you know, all the other clubs do also. But uh, it is something that we take a lot of pride in. Uh, we have a system in place and how we're going to communicate with players. Uh, of course, with the, you know, the, I wouldn't say the advent of Zoom, but the, <laughs> the use of Zoom going up, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, we, we've had even better communication. So, to communicate at the level we're so used to to, to doing, uh, it, it's it's an extreme uh, change, and uh, it's a little bit uncomfortable in that we like to know our players are, especially this time of year, physically, what's going on in their personal lives, what's changed, um, just so we're a little bit more prepared and know what to expect when we start spring training. But um, you know that's not the case now, so we're just going to make the the best of it, but I like to think the relationships we have with our players uh, will hit the ground running and we'll, we'll be just fine. Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo on 610 Sports Radio. I don't know if uh, a coach or a front office personnel uh, is ever comfortable watching spring training games, hoping that their players avoid injury, but how long, in your opinion, does spring training need to be for you to feel players' health isn't at risk? I think for the position players, there's a little bit less uh, of concern, uh, especially when you're talking about a, a club like our club where we, we have a lot of players returning. They're, they're well into their major league careers. They, they know how to get ready for the season. It's really just getting their legs underneath them and avoid lower leg, you know, lower body injuries. The pitching is a little bit different. Uh, you need time to build up your starting pitchers. The bullpen is you know, fairly simple. You don't need a lot of time, but for the starters – you know, a four-week mark is, is you're probably pushing your limits at four weeks. And if you go back and look at the history of our starting pitchers, the first week of spring training games, you don't see a whole lot of innings being pitched by our starting pitchers. It's usually that second week of games where they really start getting going and they get on their five-day rotation pretty quickly and they leave here between 90 and 105 pitches pretty comfortably. So, you know, one week of potentially missed games, uh, you know, we're, we'll still be fine. I think it, it, you, know, you get past that, then there's a little more strategy and, you know, a little bit more of reality you're going to have to deal with come opening day. And, you know, that's where you're going to have to be strong in your bullpen. And there's going to some other guys are going to be built up to, to bridge the gap until our starters are ready to go 105, 110 pitches each outing. With the way that, everyone had to adapt in in 2020 would it be foolish for someone like me to assume that uh, guys that will compete for starting uh, rotation spots should assume to a certain extent that when i show up to spring training uh, i should maybe already be uh, two three innings uh, my, my arm should already be yeah. stretched out somewhat yeah, and, and you know that's something. You know, I, this is going to be my, I think, nineteenth spring training, and I'm amazed every year how much further along guys are, and uh, when they show up to spring training, they they just approach the off season so much differently. 
uh, that there's a lot of comfort that our, our pitchers are going to be prepared uh, when they get back. And, of course, there were discussions you know, prior to December 1st uh, in the event uh, that, that we lose communication, here's what's expected. And you know where you need to be, you know, on February 26th, on March 1st, on March 10th. Uh, and I think our players will do a great job in being prepared to come in to be at those points. But there's also a reality of getting out here and laying your eyes on them and letting them throw a bullpen, let them throw IVPs uh, before we force them into games. You know, that's just, you know, you want to be as healthy as you can, not only to start the year, but throughout the year. If we try to go too fast, too early, uh, it may catch up to you at some point during the season. But I, I do think our pitchers, and knowing them as well as we do, they're going to be in great shape when they come, and I don't think they'll be far behind at all. It's going to be a matter of just getting a feel for where they think they are and what they need. And a majority of them, 26 or younger, uh, they better be in good shape when you're that young. Uh, but, yeah. but, 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 but to that point, I, I wonder, is there a, a benefit? Because uh, if your rotation was littered with 30-plus big league vets, uh, okay, maybe they understand how to take care of their body and prepare for 162. What's the benefit with the youth that you have in this rotation outside of the team control and talent, which is obvious? Uh, I, again, I think the, they're taking care of themselves well. I mean, really trust. I mean, you go back and if we went player by player, you're not going to find a guy in there that we've ever had a problem with not being in shape. Uh, the youth, I think, helps them in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and, and the one thing we we got to keep in mind, too, a lot of our pitchers that are 25 and younger, they're not too far removed from a college season. And their routine prior to being a professional player was come back from Christmas and you have four weeks and they're playing games and they're, they're pitching in games going seven innings on February 15th, 16th, somewhere in there when the start of the college season opens up. So they're, they're accustomed to it. Their bodies have adapted. I think over time what what takes a little bit of getting used to is really the longer season than the college season the, the fifth and sixth month of a of a major league season that's the that's the change that players need to go through and fortunately our young guys have already gone through that for a couple of years so so we feel very good that they'll they'll be able to sort of weather that storm so to speak jj piccolo royals general manager on 610 sports radio so how would you describe what free agency uh, is going to look like when, again, when, when we get the green light? Well, I, I think it, it probably won't be too dissimilar. It's just going to move a lot faster. Um, I don't think any player wants to not be signed uh, going into opening day. And there's you know examples the last few spring trainings, guys that signed late and they don't get off to the best start, so I think a lot of players are going to be anxious to sign. It doesn't mean they're going to sign easily, but I think they're going to want to sign. They've probably had a chance to examine and study you know, where are landing spots that I would like to be for my career, for my family. I think those things are going to be a lot more clear right now than it would in November and December uh, for a player. Uh, I would think the discussions between the player and their agents have been at a, at a very high level. Um, so I, I think they'll be prepared to have a little target list of who they'd like to sign with. So I think it'll move along pretty quickly, and then it's just a matter of 
you know, what, what's each team need? You know, where's the competition? You know, there's a couple big name free agents that are still out there. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they land. And then there's just a lot of pitching that's still available. There's a lot of relief pitchers that are still on the market. Uh, there's going to be a trickle down effect. More than likely, there's going to be some guys that are fully expecting to get major league deals that maybe have to take a non-roster invite to spring training. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that'll just that'll play out over the early part of March and maybe even the latter part of March for some non-roster invites. But uh, but it always has a way of working itself out. Um, I think everybody adapts well. Unfortunately, we've had a lot of practice in adapting to yeah. different different seasons, different scenarios the last two years, and this one's not going to be too much different. If history is any indicator, I, I, I assume that that you and, and your front office have. You know who you want when that green flag drops. So, obviously, you can't give us names, but is it the bullpen? Is that where the attention uh, is is laid as far as external options to improve this team? Yeah, that's that's where we have said from the beginning of this off season that we feel like we need a little bit more depth in the bullpen. Some of that's uh, a desire not to have young pitchers making their. You know, pitching in their first major league season out of the bullpen doesn't mean that it can't happen. Uh, but there's there's a lot of relief pitchers out there with a lot of experience, a lot of playoff experience, uh, and I think that will help. You know, the likes of Josh Demont and and Barlow and Brents. You know, I mean, there there's a group there uh, that we already have in place that that needs some support, and um, you know that will be you know really where we look to attack. Um, there's some starting pitchers that are available right now that we wouldn't mind looking into. You know, and you're always looking to try to improve your offense somehow. But uh, if I had to rank them, the, the bullpen certainly would be at the top right now. You mentioned the offense. Uh, one name that you are allowed to discuss right now is is Bobby Witt Jr., a young man not on the 40-man roster as of yet. And look, with the questions about Major League Spring Training, a guy like Bobby Witt was more than likely going to be once again rubbing elbows with the big leaguers in that big league clubhouse. How does the possible absence of major league spring training hinder uh, the growth that that could have been uh, uh, showcased by Bobby Witt this spring or anyone else invited to that big league camp? Well, I think it's it's a little bit unfortunate, but I don't think it's going to be detrimental to Bobby Witt Jr.'s career. I, I think Bobby is uh, he's a resilient person. He's responded to every scenario that he's been in as a professional player extremely well. He got that full experience last year. He got a little bit of a head start on it with summer camp the year before. Um, so he's got a lot of experience about in being around our guys. He's developed relationships with our players. And I think, like all young players should aspire to do, he's gained the respect of the veteran players by the way he goes about his business. So I, you know, while it's unfortunate, I don't think it'll be detrimental. Um, you know, and I think we're probably not talking about a long period of time uh, <laughs> before the band's back together and yeah. just get to get to work. So we're not too concerned with that one, Vern Opportunity for some of the minor leaguers maybe to catch the eye of a. Uh... Look, the coaching staff knows them all already, but maybe will not be able to give the kind of attention that they now will be able to. Yeah, that that is uh, you know that is something that stands out a little bit because typically in spring training, <clears throat> a young player maybe in their first major league camp, maybe it's their first year on the roster, 
um, you know, early on in camp, that's where they get a lot of the bats, you know, a lot of innings uh, to to be thrown. Uh, and then as the veteran guys or the guys that have solidified themselves as starters for us in one way or, or another, uh, as they're starting to play every day <clears throat> or playing six, seven innings of a game, you know, we're a good two weeks in the spring training. So that extended look uh, for a young player is maybe a little bit in jeopardy, but uh, I think some of the players just looking at our roster, a lot of our players have had that opportunity already, and Mike Mattini and his staff are very familiar with those guys. And uh, I, I don't think it's going to be you know, you know, too detrimental to their careers either, but it is a nice time for them to just get out there and play and, and face major league pitchers and play in the, the major league exhibition games. So we'll miss that a little bit, but I, at the end of the day, I still think uh, the experiences that they'll gain out of being in major league camp will be as beneficial to their careers as any other year. And then I mentioned this in the open. It's probably the question I get asked more often than not because the average Royals fan looks at this young rotation and at these uh, this lineup from a year ago and the young bats that are likely to join them at some point this season and says, that's all well and good, uh, but we had these players Last season, is it unfair to even ask a general manager who is uh, yet to be able to really dabble in free agency to go through arbitration, possible trades and everything that could transpire before opening day? Is it unfair to ask uh, the improvement from 2022 compared to 2021? Well, we, we've been saying this internally uh, really since we were finishing out the 21 season that that our improvement in 22 is largely going to be based on the development of our own players, whether it's the young pitchers that have already been in the major leagues and have had a chance to go through, you know, Brady Singer's case and Chris Bubich's pretty much two seasons, Daniel Lynch, Jackson Coar, you know, got their feet wet last year. But our improvement is going to be largely based on their improvement, and that's something we've talked a lot about internally. And the same is to be said for you know, the Prados and the Melendezes, Bobby Witt Juniors, you know, their their introduction to the major leagues is going to be what it is, but their improvement and how quickly they make adjustments and how well we work with those players and help them get through some of those hurdles they're going to have like all the young players do, that's on us. That's on our, that's on our coaches. That's on our development system uh, to help them get through those times. So 22, our successes in 22, are largely going to be based on our improvements in our development of our players. If we can add a few players around what we already have, that's great. But regardless, those players have to get better. You know, if we're going to win and we're going to compete for a division title and be in the playoffs, those players have to improve. And it usually takes one to two years to three years uh, of adjustments through the major leagues to really start to see what type of player that player is going to be in the major leagues. And, again, that falls on us, and we need to be responsible for their improvement. Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo, always generous with your time. J.J., I appreciate it. I'll see you next week in Arizona. Thanks again. Sounds good, Vern. Thank you. All right, there you go. J.J. Piccolo joining us here on Vern's Hot Stove. So what's the real story behind this owner's lockout? We'll, we'll dive into it. We'll, uh, we'll get to the bottom of it. We'll get to the truth. I'll explain after this. You're listening to Vern's Hot Stove. Thursday night starting at 6 and available on demand on the Odyssey app. 610 Sports Radio. 
Is that what I sound like? It sounded like that was sped up. All right, welcome back, Vern's Hot Stove. We'll be live from Surprise, Arizona, starting next Thursday at 6 o'clock and hopefully back in Kansas City at the end of March. Getting ready for opening day. No guarantees, though, because, well, as you know, the owners have locked out the players. Locked them out at the beginning of December, and here we are two months later. Haven't really gotten that far. In fact, we can't even get the commissioner to admit that owning a professional baseball team, a major league baseball team, is a good investment. Can't even can't even say, yeah, yeah, no, it's a good investment. Would you say that owning a baseball team is a good investment? Hey, you know, it's interesting. Um, we actually uh, hired an investment banker, um, a really good one, actually, um, to look at that very issue. If you look at the purchase price of franchises, the cash that's put in, um, um, during the period of ownership and then what they've sold for. Historically, the return on those investments is below what you'd get in the stock market, which you'd expect to get in the stock market with a lot more risk. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, since 2002, the return on the S&P 500, 308%. MLB team value since 2002, up 564 David Glass bought the Royals for $96 million, sold them for $1 billion. The average Major League Baseball team is worth $1.45 billion additional dollars now than when it was purchased. It's more than just the Royals. Jeffrey Loria purchased the Marlins for just over $158 million, sold them for $1.2 billion. Inflation-adjusted profit on the sale, about $950 million. Had he taken that same 158 and invested into the S&P 500, he would have had a net $530 million. Instead of $952 million, this from Forbes. And Maury Brown of Forbes points out that there may be no industry that benefits from public as much as professional sports Staying with Miami, the initial public investment for their new stadium, $634 million. The final cost turned out to be $2.6 billion. The Marlins put in $5.5 million of that $2.6 billion taxpayers and the city taking up the rest. Now, this isn't to pile on Rob Manfred. Everyone else has been doing that all day. At times, I wonder if baseball fans and sports media understand the job of a Rob Manfred. The job of Rob Manfred is to continue to convince you and I that these selfless billionaires that buy these organizations for $100 million and sell them for a billion, that that's not a wise investment, even though the numbers say you don't lose money. Now, year to year, sure, you got to invest in your team and reap the benefit. I've always said, you know, you buy a professional sports team for two reasons. Civic pride and or ego. 
Well, fortunately for you and I here in Kansas City, it certainly appears that John Sherman uh, certainly uh, leans heavily towards the civic pride more so than the ego. But this from Joe Sheehan. Rob Manfred is doing exactly what the owners want him to do. He got the job by being a hawkish labor lawyer, and now he's doing the job by being a hawkish labor lawyer. Roger Goodell isn't in charge of who gets hired and fired by these NFL owners. His job is to make sure that they continue to make money. Rob Manfred's job is to continue to make money for the owners. And he's doing that. He is the owner's representative. And as I just pointed out with the numbers from Miami to Kansas City to the average team, worth $1.45 billion more now than when it was purchased. He's doing a fine job. And as we all learned in 2020, the owners can afford to miss games. Now, maybe this was different back in the 80s and the mid-90s. It's a different group of owners in 2022. It's a different country. It's a different market. In 2022, it's worth missing games in the long run in that circle of billionaires. That circle of billionaires that tells Rob Manfred what to do and what not to do. In my opinion, they've told him we can miss games. Do not touch the competitive balance tax, which is basically a salary cap in Major League Baseball. Don't touch it. If anything, we could bring it down. Now, the competitive balance tax, what it is, is a salary cap where when and if you spend more than the competitive balance tax, uh, when when you exceed the limit, you have to pay a tax on however much extra you spent. Now, the Royals... And mid to small market teams obviously are not going to uh, toe that line very often, maybe outside of a uh, World Series or bust season. But the Dodgers, uh, they have been habitual line steppers when it comes to that luxury tax. But take a listen to what Rob Manfred had to say about revenue sharing, which could be the same conversation as far as the collective um, the competitive balance tax. Here's the commission. In total, the proposals we've made would move the agreement decidedly in the players' direction. Where the clubs have been and remain unwilling to move is in response to player proposals that we believe will undermine the competitive balance in our game. For example, the players' insistence that we reduce revenue sharing will without question lead to less competition, not more. Changing the current agreement by taking resources from clubs with relatively limited revenue will make the game less competitive. And when you think about it, it's like asking people to take a pay cut. Now, revenue sharing is uh, every team, you know, gets... $50 million from the national TV rights. Every team gets that no matter if you're good or bad. Every single team's getting that $50 million. You take a look at the, what, Marlins last year? Spent $59 million total on their 40-man payroll. 
you bring down revenue sharing as if the billionaires in Kansas City, Tampa, and whatever, small Milwaukee, Cleveland, Cincinnati, I don't buy for a second that these teams would be less competitive with less revenue sharing because what revenue sharing has done has allowed teams like Pittsburgh and Miami and Tampa, regardless of the product they put out there on the diamond, it's allowed them to walk away winners year in and year out when they look at their bottom line. There needs to be more incentive to go out and win. Now you'll keep it. Now you'll notice I'm not lumping the Royals in with the Rays and the Marlins and the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think you'd be hard pressed to find the Royals embracing a tank since Dayton Moore took over as general manager. A tank has yet to be embraced by this front office. Not saying that they're spending left and right, but it certainly appears to me that they attempt to milk every single penny out of the payroll allotted to them by said owner. But to his point about revenue sharing is basically asking these owners, these teams to take a pay cut. If you dive into the numbers they spit in the face of what you're hearing there from the commissioner of Major League Baseball. They, they, they just do. Now, I understand that's his job is to tell half-truths. Uh, very much like a politician, like a lawyer, you want the people on your side. But when you dive into the numbers, you see that revenues have far outpaced the competitive balance tax over the years and have far outpaced player salaries. Payrolls across Major League Baseball have been down for Four straight years. I say all of this not to demonize the owners, even though, yes, this is their doing. I am pro-labor. I am on the side of the union. But unfortunately, this union over the past two decades has taken their eye off the ball. They have seen a soft salary cap implemented. And that doesn't go away. Look around professional sports. The NBA opened its books, proved losses nearly 40 years ago, and got a salary cap out of it. The NFL broke its union with guys crossing the picket line 35 years ago. They got a salary cap just seven years after, basically making the NFL players' union look punchless, toothless. They got their salary cap and the NHL locked out the players 17 years ago in order to get their salary cap. The owners aren't budging on this. So unless the players are willing to take this into May, June, deep into the summer, I have a very difficult time seeing how the players are going to get what they, yes, deserve I don't see them getting what they want, what they deserve, because the union over the past few decades has lost focus of what matters most. And that is being that unique union, not having the salary cap, forcing these billionaires to compete, to invest in order to walk away 
victorious when it's all said and done. I don't say all that to say that all hope is lost for the regular season starting on time at the end of March because I do think that the commissioner made a very good point. And as they make their latest proposal coming up on Saturday, uh, this statement from Rob Manfred buoyed my spirits and injected some optimism inside this baseball fan. You're always one breakthrough away from making an agreement. You never, I mean, that's the art of this process. Um, somebody makes a move, and that's why we'll make additional moves on Saturday that creates flexibility on the other side and what seemed like a big gap on this topic or that topic isn't such a big gap anymore. So it's just, it's hard for me to answer that better than that. I'll tell you what, I, I have a real uh, difficult time getting angry at either side. Now, I understand how much, you know, you and I, how much we're making, how much at times we can struggle. And they're billionaires going up against some millionaires and some other guys that are doing pretty well. But I can't crush the owners. I can't. I mean, I know what they're doing. That, that, that's how you become a billionaire. Being smart with your money and taking care of it. Protecting your backside. And I'm certainly not going to begrudge the union for doing their best to right the wrongs of the past. Someone's going to have to concede, and sadly, I think it's going to be the players. I'll talk to you next Thursday, 6 o'clock. Vern's Hot Stove, live from Surprise, Arizona. Thanks for listening, Kansas City. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday night. Take care. This is Vern's Hot Stove. Thursday night starting at 6 on your home for Royals baseball in Kansas City, 610 Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.